Hi, this is Emily Gibson. And this is Caitlin McFarland. And we're the co-founders of ATX Television Festival. And you are listening to the TV Campfire. Today we are releasing the League Reunion, the 10-year League Reunion, 10 years since it premiered. Do you want to talk about how this came to be? (laughs) This definitely came to be during South by Southwest. So March. The festival's in June for those of you that don't remember. Yep. Yep. So a couple months before the festival, not very long. Uh, This is not the only reunion that's been born out of South by Southwest, though. We'd been searching for another reunion Weren't really sure what it was going to be. It had a list. The League has been on the list for a long mm-hmm. time. And I ran into Paul Shear, who's been to the festival a handful of times, mm-hmm. at the Paramount Theater <laughs> in line for snacks. And I had just gotten my drink and turned, and he's just in the middle of the lobby in a long line. And it was a moment of like, hey, hey, how are you? What are you doing? That recognition. How's and, it all going? How's yeah, the festival? Exactly. <laughs> like, all the normal questions he Oh, what's Black Monday? I guess it was in the middle of airing. Yes. Because I feel like I talked to him about we it. I think I'd seen the pilot. So, and then I think I said, programming's going well. We're still looking for a reunion. Would you guys ever want to do a reunion? He's like, yeah, we totally I would. He even, maybe I wasn't there. I feel like at one point, but I don't know, search your brain. Do you, is there yeah, a world know. in which you would say, yeah. We're looking for a reunion, and he would have said the league? There is a world. I don't know. 50-50. Curious. Curious to see what he remembers. Um, I know. So, but in that moment, however it was brought up, it was definitely a, oh, doing a reunion of the league would be really fun Mm -hmm. someday. Yeah. And then we came back to the office in the next day or so. I was like, hey, guys. So, Randa Paul, what do we think about doing the league reunion? And it was a... Let's let's see if we can do it now because we knew we were going to get a quick answer. Well, we discovered it was ten years in oh, that moment yes, is when yes. we looked up and it was like, oh, it's ten years since its premiere, which doubled down on a kind of like why now, but yes. And so Paul started with Jeff and Jackie, the co-creators, as he should have, as he should have. And once they came on, then he 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 did the other, he did what our most successful reunions do, which is he did the initial outreach. Mm-hmm. And it came out pretty quickly that everybody was into it and interested um, that the only one that had a conflict was Mark Duplass. And we said that's not a deal breaker. And so it ended up being, I mean, Katie Azelton, Nick Kroll, Jason Manzoukas, Steve Renazizi, Paul, and the creators. Yes. And, I mean, talk about Wild Ride. Like, it's just, like, such a fun, like, crazy group that I don't think gets to see each other that often. Katie, I don't think she's from Austin, but she used to live here. So she had a little bit of a, like, coming home. She hadn't been here in a while. I love that. Yeah, I think they're all still really good friends. Mm -hmm. So I feel like they see each other in pockets, but maybe not not all together, together. which is really also really fun to see when – the cast has remained friends, and you can tell that they're legit. And I'm not sure close. that they see Jeff and Jackie very often. Yeah. But one of my favorite, actually, festival memories altogether, which doesn't actually happen to me that often, but I feel like we end the festival, and nine times out of ten, people tell me stories of running into people in the elevator at the hotel. I was coming down the elevator on Friday, and this woman got in, and I looked at her, and I was like, wow, she looks familiar. I was like, I feel like she's a panelist. And you're like, your <laughs> who is it? Like, going through the face sheets. Who is it? And I was like, I think that's Katie. And I hadn't met her yet. Like, I don't think any of us had had a chance to, like, sort of greet them. And so did the thing that is sometimes hard, which is introduce yourself, not have somebody else introduce. And took that moment. And she looked at me and she was like, oh, my gosh, you're friends with Maggie. 
And I, in that moment, of course, I'm like, Maggie, 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 Maggie. Who's Maggie? Who's I, know, Maggie? I, know I know a couple few, Maggies, but know, which one? Yeah. Because they could all be the Maggie in common. Yeah. I did not get a heads up of who the Maggie was. And she said, Maggie Phillips, who came to the festival a few years ago. She's come a couple of times, but she's music supervisor. And it all connected that I knew that Maggie knew Jay and Mark Duplass from, like, college days, like, old yep. school, like— her first television was with Noah Hawley doing Fargo, but she had done, like, the puffy chair and all of these things. And so I stood in the lobby with Katie, and we talked about how much we loved Maggie. And then we sort of talked about, like, you and me being friends since before the festival and her and Maggie being friends and roommates in New York, like, way before either of them had ever done anything and how special that is and how if you had told those girls then what was happening now in their lives, how much she actually said. I thought she would say— we wouldn't have believed it. And she goes, I wish those girls knew because they'd be like, don't give me any shit. Like, <laughs> I'm going to be a big deal. Like, because she's like, we took a lot of, you know, we had a lot of doubts. And it would be nice to tell those girls, like, you're fine. Uh, but, yeah, we stood there in the lobby for, I mean, like, probably five minutes. But it was such a, like, girlfriend immediate conversation that I – it was one of my highlights of, like, the whole festival. And I, I love s- that. I didn't even see her. Didn't even see her the whole festival. Right. I saw her after the reunion. They were going to get drinks. We talked about the fact that she had had three costume changes during the day. And then she was like, I'd love to come back and we should all hang out with Maggie. And it was just, they had had a really good time and they were going to celebrate. And it was just, it was very sweet to see them afterwards too and to see it be such a success. I do love that. I also know that we, if you've been listening, you may have heard during the Inside ATX limited series that we did some man on the street interviews. Mm -hmm. And one of those interviews Mm -hmm. was with Two women who had gone to the welcome panel, our welcome panel, where we said, try new things. While you're here, we know you're excited about a couple of things that you came for, but really try new things. And so they decided we're going to go to this reunion of the league, a show they had never heard of, they knew nothing about. And they went and they said it was one of the funniest things they'd ever seen. They couldn't wait to go home and binge the series Mm -hmm. and how great it was. And I feel like that's what the festival is. You're discovering You're discovering old shows that are now new to you, Mm -hmm. and you can walk into, I feel like, any panel, any screening at the festival, no matter what episode we're airing or where they are in the process, and discover something new. Learn something, find something you love, like, be entertained, all of that sort of thing. So I guess all of that says if you've made it to the end of this intro, for some (laughs) reason you've never seen The League, you should still listen to this. And then you should go go watch it. it. Uh, So with that, here is the League Reunion from ATX Season 8, moderated by Joanna Robinson from Vanity Fair, who also I don't think says very much because how could you (laughs) with this group? Not a chance. Hi there. Uh, my name is Joanna Robinson. I am a writer and podcaster for Vanity Fair. And but you're not here to see me. I believe you are here to see Jackie Marcus Schaefer, Jeff Schaefer. Hi. Paul Shear, Nick Crow. Katie Asselton. Steve Renazizi and Jason Mantuga! Eat shit, Austin. All right, so my job tonight uh, is to make sure that these guys get to be as funny as they want to be and stay out of the way, right? 
Um, but my first question is for our lovely creators here. Um, I know that when you put the show together, you were looking for different comedic styles, different improv comedic styles. So I was wondering if you could tell me how you found this cast and where you found them. We found Jason Manzukis in a sweaty basement <laughs> in Boston. By the way, true story. Um, at the Del Close Marathon at UCB. In New York. In New York. Oh, it was in New York. That's right. You were doing a Fenway. Uh, I was doing a Boston-themed You were doing theme a Boston-themed show. show. It stuck with me, my friend. Yeah. And then we just had a series of, of drinks with everybody, except for Nick Kroll, who famously complains that he got fucking peppermint so tea. They, I, so, okay, so... I have a meeting with them. They're like, we're going to have a breakfast at the Beverly Hills Hotel. And I was like, ooh, I'm going to get a fucking breakfast out of this. And at I that don't... point in our careers, that was the biggest selling point yeah. for any meeting. Every breakfast Will there be food? Yeah. We were like grandmas he... taking the Splendas in our purses. It's the only reason he agreed to Right. So I, so I go to the meeting and they, they just order like a coffee. So I get a tea and I'm like, am I not going to get a full <laughs> meal out of this thing? And I didn't. And then... Uh, I, I want to say we got breakfast and drinks. Yeah, and we, tacos and cupcakes. And tacos and cupcakes. Yeah. We, well, you guys yeah, went. Yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. Kate. You I'm guys just, went I'm, to their house, right? We had well, our, no, we oh, had yeah. breakfast first at the Beverly Hills Hotel. Yep. And then we we're like, this is great. Do you guys want to come over for well, dinner? Well, you know what? It started. We <laughs> met in a Jiffy Lube. I had to change their oil. And then they didn't even tip me. No, but and I want to say we had cocktails at breakfast and at dinner. Yeah, but here's they the thing. They made me jerk off a corpse. Yeah. Which is hard to do. By the way, by the way, you almost lost the part then. Oh, Katie. Katie. Very low energy. Do you remember? And really not passionate about the project. Katie Asselton, do you remember? I had fallen in love with Katie Asselton, who I knew was my Jenny on first sight. But then Katie... Your daughter almost lost the role for you. Do you remember yeah, what your daughter she, did? She took Jeff to our bathroom and said, I want to weigh you. This is bad this idea. Does not, this does not have to be creepy, but it is creepy. Then she made him take a shit and then she weighed him again. Again. Yep. And then she's like, Five pounds, it. Jeff. Yeah, Nicely done. Like, she was 13. It was By the way, she was five, but she already understood the scientific method and good on her. Oh yeah. <laughs> you, well that's that's if you're gonna famous... perform an experiment, you have a control. Jeff having eaten tacos with Mark and Katie. <laughs> Jeff. Without tacos, I mean, market, here's how much his shit weighs. Anyway, the only person that we didn't, who's not here, who un unfortunately is somewhere in Europe, God knows where, John Lajoie, um, we met because uh, a long, it's long time so ago. It's so perfect that he's in I Europe he's somewhere <laughs> right now. So we had seen him on the internet, and this was back in like 2008 when the internet was like, 65% porn, 35% John Lajoie videos, and like 5% work emails. <laughs> you guys you guys first tried to cast Rocco Sofredi as Taco, right? <laughs> it's my general understanding of how that goes. Billy Clyde as Taco. <laughs> These so, are porn stars, everybody. Two of them. You know what? We'll keep, give everybody in the up, audience a minute up. to just Google. <laughs> so, so pretty, that's pretty much we, we had meals. We had, and this is what it sounded like, and we knew the chemistry was there. Yeah, yeah we had, we had, we basically had, we had lunches, breakfast, dinners, or tea. Fucking with, tea. With, <laughs> with, with the funniest people on the planet, and that was the show. Well, well, I didn't get cast though. Right, Eventually. I didn't get cast in season Although, one. Although, here's the thing. Here's the thing about Jason. We so, made you a promise, my friend. We were we were casting we were casting season one, and and we had all of our cast. 
And we told Jason, you're hilarious. If we can make it to season two, we have a great part. You are our reward, man. Well, but, yeah. but the, we, I don't know what, well, the show's done. It's who gives a shit anymore. But uh, <laughs> that we had, Jason was a part of our group and I talked to Sheer. Yes. Who was like, I don't know anything about fantasy football. You didn't even want to come in. Well, I had met with you guys and we had a great conversation and I loved the way that they were talking about how they worked and the way that they wanted to do a show. And I knew everyone was kind of meeting with them and it was a very big thing. We all were like, oh, these people, they're so, they, they, they're going to do this cool new show. And it went on for a couple of months. It was like, when is it going to happen? What is the show? And then all and of a sudden- you didn't know what it was about. No one knew what it, no was, one about. Knew what it was about. It was very secret. Oh, yeah. We never told anybody what the show was about. And then when we, we told Paul, he said, no. Well, guys, somebody called me up. They were like, so it's about fantasy football. I was like, oh, I can't improvise about fantasy football. I'll pass. And then everyone kept on auditioning. And thankfully, Nick called me up and said, hey, you should just go and audition for it because you don't need, like, it's not like you have to give stats. Like, and, I, and, and in my mind, I was like, oh, all right. And, and I, and I Although Nicole, I, I found out afterwards that Ellen Pompeo is a medical expert. Yes. <laughs> It just seemed intimidating to me because it Ron seemed Perlman like- Ron has one giant arm <laughs> and horns that have been- But like, I think to the testament of the show, and I think this is the reason why the show works so well, is the buy-in for a lot of people, I think, are like, oh, it's about fantasy football, but it really is about the lives of these people in their 30s. And I think as the show progressed- we got more and more audience. People like, I don't even play fantasy football. I like the show more than my boyfriend. I like it. It's like all these th- things that we would hear. And I think people like, you realize that you didn't have to be like, oh, I knew how many yards somebody ran in a week or something like that. And, you and you, well said. And you in particular, <laughs> and you in particular, Paul, it was just, you, the more you didn't know, the more enjoyable it was to yeah. shit on you for not knowing it. Absolutely. And, and the show was always about a, a bunch of friends who play fantasy football. It was not a show about fantasy football. And the reason why the show got any of the fans, any of you who watched it, it's not because you loved fantasy football, whether you do or not, it was because of these people Being right here funny. and Mark and John. Um, oh, so that's how you found them all? Oh, that's, but you know, I oh, cut okay. off Nick too. But I, but you. Wait, Paul's more. got more to say. Uh, but no, but Nick was saying that like the original groupings were everyone kind of passing around different roles, right? Yes, right. I think yeah. so. I will say that it's the best testing experience I've ever had in my life, where really? they just put in. We were all in like one sort of holding room. All me? of your favorites and a couple people who didn't make the show. Also, you got to keep the network. Gary Oldman. (laughs) Marshala Ali. (laughs) Marshala Ali? As Kevin. As someone who famously can't pronounce names, Paul, why would you choose that one to try and do? (laughs) I always will challenge myself. (laughs) I don't stray away from challenge. Don't say Gabriel Simone. Just say Precious. It's so easy. Precious as Kevin. <laughs> it was close. Everybody did. Everybody did try different roles except but it was Katie cool. who played Jenny and Nick who was somehow Missing. always locked in as Roxanne. <laughs> but it really was it was they would just take us like Rochambeau and just be like, "All right, let's put these two people together in a room and let's put these two people together in a room." So it wasn't like when you test normally for like a network show, it's like they get their star attached and then they're like and then we'll see who the star likes to be in a room with. This was very different. It's this was professional, just, and this was not. Yeah. This, this is it. so much better. 
No, but I think to your credit, like you wanted to find people who had the best chemistry. You didn't build the show around like, okay, Mandy Moore wants to do a comedy show. Let's. If Mandy Moore wanted to do this show, would you have said yes? You were always my Jenny. <sighs> also, I love you. she did not want to have tea with us. <laughs> she could pay for her own goddamn yeah. breakfast. No, the whole, but by the way, the reason why was because all we wanted to do was make the funniest show with the funniest people. And these were the funniest people. Yep. All right. So given that you're all the funniest people we've ever met, um, what, what part of your actual personality is most evident in your character, please feel free to answer for your fellow panelists. And please especially feel free to answer for John and Mark, who are not here. I would say Jason and Rafi's love of knives. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> but I will also say Jason, uh, I think like every maniac in every state and city I've ever been with Jason... They, some true maniac is like, I'm Rafi! Oh. I want to hug you! Oh. There are like five people here tonight that are like, I'm you, oh, dude! No! And what people don't understand is like, Jason is a, is a deep germaphobe. <laughs> I don't want to touch any of you people. Yeah. For real. So it's a great joy to watch him play a monster and then around the world get approached by monsters thinking they have found their lighthouse. I'm the person that the grossest guy in the bar is like, I'm going to make him smell my fingers. (laughs) They want to impress you. Oh, I don't want to fuck any of your wives. <laughs> Even though a lot of you think that's a cool thing to ask me to do, I don't want to do it. My dad was doing a bit. <laughs> what else? What else? I think, though, to your credit, like, Jeff and Jackie were really great at really creating this amazing world and stories and archetypes. And then we could all bring a little bit of ourselves into it. And then those things got folded in. And so everything started to nicely blur. It was sort of like, oh, that's a fun thing we can kind of chase. And so over the course of seven years, I think a lot of like little improv runs that may have not even made it into an episode all of a sudden became a little storyline here and there. I I always think back to the clear hair, which is like, a joke that we made in a previous episode. I only think made it in. Like someone's like, oh, you're bald. I'm like, I'm not bald. I have clear hair. And it was just like something funny to say on set. And then like an episode came like, I have clear hair. And I was like, oh, all right, there we go. And like, and, but I think that that was like kind of the beauty of them is that they were really attuned to like feeding into what we liked and, 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 and kind of and serving al- us and up. And also like, for example, we all had a league inside of the league. We had a fantasy football league and, and some of us had played before. Some of us had not. Uh, Steve. I was a pro. Steve was the only one who had been in leagues really before. Yeah. And, and by the way, when we, when we started the League of the League, Steve and I are looking at each other because we both played a lot. And we're like, oh, this is us. We're going to kill these guys. I'll see, you. I'll see you in the championship, my friend. And ne- How did it work out, Jackie? Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember. Have I introduced Katie you to Katie, I... Katie Appleton, yeah. our, our year one winner? Because she read a book. <laughs> and 
The first four years when Katie Jackie Jackie. The best, the best thing that you just missed was that when you congratulated Katie on winning, Steve went, because she read a book. <laughs> I read a As book. As if, like, it, the true shame for Katie was that she read a book. Football. She won because she can read. <laughs> <laughs> it's not I'm about so that. It's about your gut. Well, so, yeah, so Steve followed his gut to last place, like, almost every year. Well, that's what, so it was like, and that was the joy was, so Kevin, his character, like, really was wanted to Passionate. Win, passionate about it. Passionate about it. and Psyched every year. Yeah, and just. Makeup trailer first day. Who's setting the league up? Paul's got it going. Yeah. I got stat sheets. And then. Fucked every year. Yeah. My, By the way, my favorite story yeah. about you in the makeup trailer is one morning Steve is just fucking losing it Monday morning, and he's like, "I can't believe I lost." He's going through his lineup; it's just horrible. And he's sitting there with John Lajoie, and John just innocently says to him, "You know, who'd you lose to?" And he was like, "You, you fucking, I fucking lost to you, man." John, who never set his lineup, didn't know he was in the league, and Steve's just. Fucking shitting the bed. Oh. Oh. People keep saying, you want to get the show back together? I'm like, I don't care. I just want to play that one more fucking time. One more time. One more year. The fuck if you we ever film another scene. I want I would, all of you. Steve of said it. earlier before he would happily be edited out of the I show. I don't give a shit. I just as want to be. he can win a season of and, fantasy. And truly, LeJoie is like French-Canadian. Yeah. And... Has no idea. Didn't like, even know you had a set of lineups. Auto draft and auto play the entire season. By the way, I never changed his lineup ever that, once. That never week, in last place. The week that he beat you, I guarantee he thought the season was already over. <laughs> I know it. He, it was October. Because he, he literally, I know. And he literally. He didn't know it started. When I, told, when I told him how funny it was, what we had overheard, he goes, I didn't know that was still on. God. <laughs> like it was a show. It would be canceled. <laughs> You got beaten by a foreigner. <laughs> Truth by a be Canadian. told, John Lajoie did not know this was a TV show. That's why he's not here. We didn't want to wreck the illusion. <laughs> also, because he's out. Canadian, we're building that wall up yes. north. North. <laughs> Get out of here. I beat it. I build that Canadian wall. Did you what have was the a question? question? <laughs> <laughs> no, I wrote like two questions down. And, uh, no, um, this. This question just came to me and it's not at all inspired by stories you were telling backstage, which is, um, you guys worked with a lot of animals in this show. Uh, Do you have any uh, fond memories of that? So this is, this is where they hate us. Yeah, we, we over the course of 84 episodes, we've worked with the entire like animal family tree. And the, the funny I thing is, bulls, bears, birds, the monkey. Monkeys. First, a little known walk, fact is Jeff in. Schaefer loves animal comedy. So we would go into the office. Yeah. Jeff and I were the writer's room, and we would look at the whiteboard, and Jeff just couldn't stop writing animal stories. And and they just got... And, and, and I never learned my lesson. Here's the thing. Us. I'm going to tell you a little bit. I don't know how many of you are from Hollywood or know animal trainers who live out in Canyon Country, but it's very simple. This is, this is what you're going to have. This is a... This is, no matter what show you're on, this is the uh, dialogue you're going to have with an animal trainer. I need this mad, you know, mad lib, dog, bird, bull, whatever, to do this. Great, okay, he can do that. That'll be $10,000. And then I need him to do this. Great, okay, we just need to train him. Great, okay, great. Then you get on the set. For instance, a monkey. I need this monkey to do this and this and this. Great, he can do that. We just need to train him. You get there on the day, and you're there, and you're about to put a live monkey in a small car that's driving like, down a... On someone's head. Well, that, that, we got like to that. That, was, that. that monkey, the heart wants what it wants. Anyway, but... <laughs> 
we'll get to that. But so we're now going to put a live monkey in a small car that's driving on a very real street in very real valley. And I go, so the monkey's going to do the things we talked about. And he goes, wow, it's a wild animal. <laughs> and then that trainer got in the trunk far away from the monkey and then let us shoot the scene. So if shit went down, he was, first of all, protected. We were not. And had no way to capture the monkey. You know, and by the way, in that animal trainer's defense, he was close enough to continually give it gummy worms. Yes. <laughs> he, I always thought he fed it Sour Patch Kids, and I thought I didn't like that because it looked like cute little humans, and I thought that was sending the wrong idea. So, so that's the monkey trainer. We worked with a bear. Oh, oh my bear. God, that fucking bear. And this was, I was like, Amos, if I fucking, the bear. if I die making a goddamn episode of The League... <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to be fucking furious because it's a giant bear. It was this and, close. And the bear is meant to run at us, stop, rear up, roar, and that's it, okay? And why will it stop? Because there is a piece of floss. Yes. Yeah. A tiny, like this high off the ground, a tiny little wire that I said to the guy, it's electrified. And I said to the guy, ooh, so should we be careful? Is this dangerous for nah, us? I won't hurt you. He goes, nah, it'll be fine. <laughs> and then the bear would charge, and if it didn't do whatever, if he didn't like the way it was coming in, he would have a bucket on his hip of cookies, and he would, like Oreos. Oreo. Take an Oreo and throw it at the bear and be like, get the fuck out of there. <laughs> now you get away from there. You fucking get out of here, you motherfucker. Yeah. Now, when I saw when I saw these trainers throwing candy at these wild animals, I was like, this is wrong. Then I had kids. I'm like, got it. Works. Makes sense. It's the same thing. That's how we get my dad into his Get out of here, you yeah. motherfucker. Get out of here, you motherfucker. Get back there. Ride your fucking get skateboard, back, you motherfucker. You motherfucker. Jeff, Jeff reminded me, I guess I had to simulate sex in front of a bull. Yes. At the high school reunion, there was a bull that got loose. So I wanted the animal trainer for this bull, a large live bull in a real auditorium. I, I can only kindly describe her as a crone. She was a 45-pound, four-foot woman with a stick. And she was the bull trainer, and she was going to tell the bull what to do. Basically what she ended up doing, if the bull wanted to move, the bull was just, she was basically just water skiing behind the bull, getting pulled. The bull went on a walkabout through our cameras, our lights, and everything. Oh, I remember that. that yeah, was it like, was crazy. It was like... Just bull, a wild bull. Everyone's frozen because the fucking bull is just checking shit out. Please tell background actors not to move. Don't move. Yeah. But by the way, none of this... None of this, all of the fear that you're hearing in these, in these brave uh, actors' voices, We're none of so it compares brave. to what Steve oh, Ranazzini had to deal with. <laughs> what? What Steve Ranazzini had to deal with confronting birds. I don't like birds. <laughs> I'll say in front of the bear. Remember me? I was the one going, ah, get out of here, bear. Remember how the scene ended and the bear turned around? But you kept sending that fucking parakeet at me a hundred times. <laughs> Nothing was ever good enough. No shot was ever good enough. The, the wings would come out six feet, and you were like, I'm like, dude, six it, feet? It was a big. You weren't a six foot wings. You weren't there that day, dude. The, the bird, this is embarrassing. They got a big bird, dude. That was a big. Bird. You remember how big those wings were, Jeff? They couldn't, oh, it couldn't no, fly in the cage. Dude, yeah, I remember. That, I remember very clearly this parakeet was in a cage, mm -hmm. and yeah. the cage had a small door, and from that door, the bird could stick its head out in a frightening manner, and you would go, ah! 
and run away. You it had no soul, Jeff. You didn't look you in the eyes like you I did. You saying the bird was ruining the take. You ruined every take. Every take. It had no soul. They got the wrong bird that I'll day. This thing was out for blood, bro. I'll be honest. This was not, this was a BJV bird. Here's what I'll say. I've since worked with that bird. You have And not. the bird is very talented and has some unkind things to say about oh, you. Good. I hope that bird's here tonight. I'd love to fucking talk to that bird one Ladies more time. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome the bird. Six foot wings and all. I know, the saddest thing is that bird and you have been looking for a project to do together for a while, and then yeah. it just went, anyway, go south, it goes south. It could have been you and that Clint Eastwood and the monkey. It could have been you and that bird, man. <laughs> Any which way but loose. Every week, yeah. Uh, so as we all work on our scripts for the spinoff uh, between the bird and Steve, um, there's a lot of your own life, a bit of your own life in this show. Some stuff that I think is a little unbelievable. What's the most unbelievable thing that actually happened to you that made it into the league? Well, I won't. I, I don't know that the most unbelievable thing was us, but we, you know, in our group of friends, there is one guy who's a very dear friend of ours, and we couldn't believe how many stupid things that he's done that have become Kevin's stories. And I think for me, the thing that those no, aren't Jeff's stories. No, some of them are. Well, here's the thing. I always like to say the Jeff, worst part of every one of these characters is is me. For sure. Like, <laughs> for sure. But, and there are a lot of things about us in the show, but I have to say, um, our friend who put Icy Hot on his own balls, that's a real story. He went in the middle of the night and he put Icy Hot on his own balls and then she had to wipe him like a baby. So when I think back to that scene, you did so beautifully, Steve, with your legs in the air and the ankles crisscross, wiping. How did have I never won an Emmy? I know. <laughs> That was the episode, man. That was it. And would you uh, would you agree? The wiper or the wipey? Who wins the Emmy? Who it was wins, so tough. Now, now that that obviously was a, a scene that was staged for comedic value. But let's talk about the time that Steve burned his own balls when he had not balls. The the root. No, I, the bur shaft. I burned the, the almost the bridge. So yeah, the, the, sh shaft. the upper so, shaft. And the sign is that. So we were doing we were doing an episode. Uh, it was called Old Smoke Crotch, where um, Steve finds a gray hair down there as as. Katie, what'd you call it? His graying nethers. So in an effort to fix, fix his graying nethers, he starts to dye the stuff down there. Things go wrong with a hairdryer. Anyway, he is, all he needs to do is he needs to run in the room with his crotch sort of on fire, which we had a little smoker. There's a little smoker. It's like a, it's like a, it's like, like a little, about the size of a lighter. Yeah, like a hot glue gun almost. Yeah. You know, like without, that big. Right, without the glue. Yeah. So it's just got this little heated part that's going to heat the stuff enough to smoke. So it's all tucked in in the right ways. But as Steve is running around, very animated, very funny, I guess things got flipped around and the hot part... It got twisted into my underwear and the hot part, instead of pointing out, was now branding my above my... Uh, what would be the north end? Okay? And above it, the wall. It was so yeah. It was so bad that he was I started screaming so bad, I just kept screaming, get and it we off. Think you just in the show. And I ripped my pants off. And then You came. Well, not yet. Wayne. Not to our not that, to our friend Wayne the Medic came that, over. Ladies and gentlemen, is how a fetish is created. <laughs> yeah. So then we had a, wedic, uh, a medic named Wayne 
who then had to get <laughs> come into my trailer you guys. and apply. Wayne is Wayne here tonight? Yeah, Wayne, where are you, Wayne? On set medic, Wayne? No. Wayne okay. was with us for all seven seasons, lovely, and I don't guy. think he was professional. He had to apply, apply ointment to my upper shaft with a. We put you let him on. do that? Well, what am I going to do? He came in. It was. Just, he asked to do. Just it. say, give me the ointment. I I'll thought do Jeff it sent him. I walked into um, our craft services truck, had like a little, like a metal wire holding the door up, and I walked straight into it one day. Oh, and uh, It was like an invisible wire. Like, just, I just like walked straight into it, and I went, and they're like, oh, uh, okay. And I sat down in, in, in one of the rooms, like, to, and, and they called Wayne in, the medic, and <laughs> Wayne came in, and Wayne is, Wayne's not here, right? <laughs> <laughs> but this is being recorded. You yeah. know what you want? Yeah, okay. For so, Wayne. Wayne sent his camera guy, crew wonderful, here. wonderful medic. Uh, but Wayne walked in and looked at my nose, and he goes, oh, God. <laughs> and then he started panicking. He truly started panicking. <laughs> and I was like, okay, good. And then... Thank you guys very kindly. Let me go. Uh, to his credit, your nose looked real fucked up he, that day. Yeah. We tried to shoot. I put a Band-Aid on it. <laughs> I said, you know, And they put surgery. makeup over the Band-Aid, and then there was just blood seeping through the Band-Aid. And they're like, hey, you know what? Why don't you just uh, go to the doctor and get this cleaned up today? By the way, the least you got to go home. The worst one, we're in Vegas. We're shooting the we're shooting the Vegas draft. And that's when everyone got, to, got introduced to... Uh, Brolo El Cunado, uh Rafi in the league and so we're all there in Vegas for like three or four days and Jason That was only three or four days? It felt yeah. like three it years It felt like we lived there Yeah we lived there for it felt like at least we a week We lived in the MGM for a week we never walked out we would work all day long and not go outside, breathe like casino air, and then go to a steakhouse and then gamble and, and gamble, and then would wake up with, I think, what the the most disturbing farts in the world. <laughs> so, but so poor Jason, who has a uh, a very intense egg allergy, life threatening. Yeah. So exactly. So what did you do? You, it was granola, right? He was right? with me, unfortunately. Yeah. It was it was so a, it was a yogurt parfait. Like a, a yogurt parfait from the Starbucks in the and MGM Grand. And we looked at the label. The you label did not list label. eggs, but when I at, when I took two bites and something was wrong, and I said to the woman, "Do you make these here?" And she said, "Yeah, they make them in the kitchen here. I'll call down." And she was like, "Yeah, they have egg whites in it." And I was like, "Well, it should say." Uh, and then I was like, "Okay." And so the Vegas medic came and was like. Thank God it wasn't Wayne. It wasn't, no. I but also, like, Jason, you, like, hold on. Medic. In Wayne's defense, as soon as he heard you were sick, he went and checked out Steve's penis. He's <laughs> like, I'll go look at that thing again. But, um, like, but the one part of the story is, like, you know that you're so allergic to it, but you also knew that if you took the right precaution, you would knock yourself out for the day. Yeah, so if I took the medication that was necessary, it would mean I couldn't shoot the show. Right. And so, and so there was a, a, a period where it was trying to thread that needle, and then I started to look really weird. And so I was wheeled out on a stretcher into an ambulance and taken to an emergency room and this where I remained for seven hours. And then you came back. And then came back and, and shot, shot that machine. night. That and day. Said, and you don't remember any of it. Yeah, I was all jacked up on meds and I have no recollection of None. any of you the were scenes hilarious. we shot. We I, shot like three scenes yeah. that night. I will say this. I have almost no recollection of any of these stories. Uh, no, I'm with you. I'm looking for a similar story about, once again, John or Mark, who are not here. 
throw them right under the bus. Here's the thing. Yeah. I mean, we're having no John, problem throwing each other under the bus yeah. uh, at this point. It's I, a very big bus. Yeah. I'm trying to think with John. Like, John what? and the lit. I mean, you want to talk about the Oh, lit? well, because they're not here, yeah. I'll say this. In the same episode in the Vegas draft, Mark pooped in the pool. <laughs> Wait, for real? He, like, took a real dump in that pool. <laughs> and the cool thing here. about the MGM Grand. I'm gonna, I, not here. I, I will that. say this. I remember they were that. Footed, but they, like, footed, don't even, oh, the yeah. footage of that poop in the pool won Sundance. It yeah. did. <laughs> it was very it's artistic. on Netflix now. It's like the plastic bag in American Beauty. It was very artistic. <laughs> it just kept swirling and swirling on the lazy river. Yeah. And the people at the MGM Grand said, don't worry about it. We do that three or four times a day here. No reason to worry. And... <laughs> But I'm trying to think. I mean, you know... Uh, well, poor Lejoie. got the short end of the stick for a variety of reasons. And that he was getting naked on all the time. Like, regularly. Constantly. He was the beefcake. So great, was I. Great ass. What? Great he, ass. I wasn't the beefcake, but I was always, for some reason, naked. <laughs> well, taking a shit, whatever. Yeah. A lot of those wounds were self-inflicted. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but poor, poor John had a ton. And Mark also had a ton of sex suits. Yeah. 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 Well, by the way, I mean, he's Eskimo Brothers with uh, Prince Harry now. I know. Yeah. yeah that, right. uh, uh, was that season two, episode two, or nope. season one? Season one. Wait, season she one, was on the show. Meghan Markle yeah. was. Yeah, Meghan Markle was what? on the league. Yeah. Did yeah. you know that? What year? You weren't in the Meghan the Markle. vaginal hubris. The very vaginal first. She's at the dinner table. Yeah. 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 Season one, show two. Oh, I gotta go back the and watch this show. We no. have an Oscar winner and a goddamn princess. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the very first show we did after the pilot. Stars. After the pilot, she was the divorcee that Mark met. Uh, talking Made to out in the bar. Holy talking. shit, I remember like, that now. I think her credit is like woman number two. Nope, nope, she was Megan. Is she? Wow. Megan. Yeah, I've named her. Nope. Yeah, yeah. I gave her a name. Man. She was, yeah, so Taco used Eskimo Brothers to get into the club, and then Mark met this divorcee. I know that's what you and think of all women in your husband's Woman number two. That's going to the wedding? Everybody seen Mark. Woman number two. They're nameless, faceless people. Yeah, by the way, she was lovely. Right? Which, is, yeah. which is why Jason and no one else was invited to the royal wedding, right? Yeah. yeah. Yes. It's a good time. Yeah, yeah. I had a great time. <laughs> Did you bring your own hot dogs? You imagine. Oh my I God. still contend if, if Meghan Markle had been in a scene with Rafi on the league, she would be ineligible to be a princess. <laughs> I think that for sure would have fucking I think loved that it. That would have been the line. That would have been the line. That footage they that go, being no, said, no, I do, no. That being no said, that, that I do one. know for a fact that the queen is a huge fan of the league. Of the league. <laughs> I think the queen's all. <laughs> <laughs> She's like the white knuckler. <laughs> Well, originally she Hold was like, she was a Jason. big she was a big Sunny fan, and she's like, well, I'll check this show out. Yeah, and I'm then up. she was like, then she came and she's like, I like it more than Sunny. It was weird. That's the queen, but now she's back at Sunny and she's having a great time. Everyone wins, and that's how a Vanity Fair writer made this about the Royals. <laughs> um, all right, uh, if anyone in the audience has questions, we don't have a mic in the audience, but if you want to scream at the Castle League, great, right there. Don't scream at us. Please do. Deliver your questions in ASMR style. <laughs> Just thinking about you guys. Shiva, Kamini, Somer, Sundar, Kamini, Somer, Very simply, um, in my high school, Carefully. there was a woman. Yeah. <laughs> it was why as not? We could, close was, as we could legally get to. There was a woman in my high school, a girl in my high school whose name was Shiva, Kamini, Somer, Sundaram, and. Uh, we change it for legal reasons to Shiva Kamini Soma Kandarkram. Different name, different person. Um, so, and I still haven't talked to her. I mean, she's got to know. She, it wasn't a big high school. 
and by the way, the, my high school friends who have a Shiva, her picture's on, on our trophy. So when, like, I've had drafts with my high school friends and people go by and go like, oh, that's so derivative of the league. And my friends are like, this is the original trophy. <laughs> but by the way, she should be so thrilled that she is being represented by Janina Gavinkar, who is yeah. amazing. Very talented. Amazing, amazing. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, that was, uh, but she- the only, the only cast member invited to the royal wedding, by the way. Yes, yeah, true. There. Yeah. yeah, that's very true. But anyway, so that's, um, that's how it came. We have so many connections to the royals, people. <laughs> she's a doctor. She's not honored. She's ashamed. Yeah. She's a real but job, you know unlike it, the rest of us. It's interesting, though, we were talking about this today, that there are certain things in the show that people are very adamant that they want to tell us, but it's also slightly wrong. Like you were saying today, like... I freaking hate when people say shit zipper. Zipper. That's the wrong fucking word. It's a shit zipper. Shit zipper doesn't even make sense. Yeah. Oh. If you're, you're going to use zipper, it's it's zipper fairy. It's a zipper fairy, a zipper fairy. and a shit zipper. Oh, poor Alina. For me, poor it's, five-year-old girl. it's when people are like, ah, Ralphie. Ralphie. <laughs> well, we and were I'm like, we were. Do you watch the show? <laughs> we were out yesterday, and this guy came up to us here in Austin. He's like, Taco! And that was a great moment. Uh, and Steve, to be you, fair, we were at Torchies. Yeah. Maybe That's an Austin reference, you fucks. Uh, Steve, could you tell that story about being shopping with your kids? Oh yeah, what, uh, I was Christmas shopping. This was probably season two or three, and uh, I was with my son. We were in a mall, and this guy comes out of them like a Fuddruckers, day drunk. <laughs> Lock size with me. I'm like, oh fuck, this is our target demographic. And then, yep. this is this Just is how my day drinkers in general. This Ooh. is how my son is gonna see someone else's dick. Yep. And from across this mall, he yells, Shiva! And I'm like, okay, man. And then I was like, started walking my son. And then he goes, show me that pretty dick. That is, I, <laughs> and now that's all your son says. That's all he says. Show me that pretty dick, Dad. Show me that. What does that mean? And then you I show them. I have to say, when the show was on, going to the Super Bowl with you guys or going through any football stadium or any airport, I was like, we were both very proud and very sorry. Because our, our fans, John, you John guys lost. We lost John at the Super Bowl the first year. Oh, fuck. We left in the New Orleans Super Bowl. They had that break. They had that, uh, that when the electricity went out. John went to go get food, and he didn't come back till like three minutes left in the game. Wait, wait, but but no. then he was in... Wasn't he in the thing with Robert Kraft? That was a different game. Oh, he disappeared, yeah. and he ended up in the owner's box. <laughs> and we all just saw you it. You could see on him the giving screen. Robert Kraft a card for eight, uh, Orchids of Asia. <laughs> Orchids of Asia. <laughs> if you ever, yes, if you oh, ever yeah. get to your sixth Super Bowl, you'll want this. Yes. That's what I can I ask a question? How many times a day, Jeff, do you think about or things that go by, like Orchids of Asia or stuff that you go, oh, oh I mean, fuck. Ja I could put thing. a whole thing together on this. Jackie and I talk about all that. First of all, anytime Cam Newton has a press conference, Paul texts us. Oh yeah. It because I was like, this outfit, come on now. <laughs> I mean, kneeling. Oh God, there yeah, would have done so I mean, much with kneeling. We know what we would I think we know what we would have done with kneeling. Um, which is that Jenny... Something tells me Jenny would have Jenny, something to Jenny, do with this. Jenny will ding, salute ding, your flag. Ding, ding. Jenny will salute your flag, but she will not kneel while doing so. so <laughs> That's think, about right. So, but it's I a blowjob thing, people. Yeah, I think, guys, she's not going to kneel It was a, it was a little too... Yeah. 
But no, I think every, the, we used to say the NFL was like our rich uncle that we never get to meet, but he keeps giving us presents. Like, yeah. it's still, it's like, it's this crazy thing. Every year now when the show is, now that the show is off the air, when all these things happen with the NFL, whether Robert Kraft decides to get a happy ending right before the, the Patriots do with the AFC Championship or whatever, I mean, it's crazy. It's like, you go like, oh my God, we would have had so much fun with this. My question Russia is defends like, him. Like, <laughs> did you guys like being, and this is like a very stupid question, but did you guys like being on like cable or would you have preferred now in the world where like Netflix and everything is out there, like would you have preferred to be able to have longer episodes and go dirtier or did you think it was actually good to be kind of constrained by the time and the content? Well, many people may not know this. I mean, the, the time thing, let me speak to that first because it's less fun. The time thing, the most frustrating creative part of making the show for me, was watching Jeff endlessly negotiate and fight with the network to always get more time. Um, and we, we did and a lot of By the way, they've since trading. apologized now because we used to fight over like... A lot it of It was supposed trading. to be twenty one fifteen. We turned in 84 episodes, we turned in two on time. Yeah, we would was, fight and fight Jeff's and fight and fight. Pride. And now they're like... Because, because FXX was full of original new content. They're like, we can't like bump our new shows. Well, by the way, that was the best year. The Mad About year, You isn't going to wait for anyone. The first the first year we were on FXX, they were like, go as long as you... Like, so that was a pain in the butt. But the greatest thing was they told us at the beginning of shooting, there's five words you cannot say. Don't go near them. You can't say them. These are the words you're not allowed I'm now to going to scream those words into this microphone. <laughs> And then they added a sixth because we abused that word, and then it became literally 20th Century Fox across every platform policy that we weren't wow. allowed to use that and word. By the way, and that was but a it forced us to come up with things like frittata. Well, Nick, Nick, Nick luckily had frittata, which was fantastic. So you know, we were doing a story. We were doing a story about Chinatown, and there was what a, a gift! What a yeah. gift! What a joy to the world! <laughs> we were we were I doing mean, a, collectively us. Thank you, Nick. Like you, Nick, Nick the, solved the story that was very simple, which is that. If there's a Chinese mentally challenged person who only speaks Chinese and you're in Chinatown, he may only know 40 words, but that's 40 more words than you know in Chinatown. So he can ask for butter, or where's the bathroom, or whatever. He's a genius compared to you. Anyway, we, uh, Bobby Lee was playing this Chinese mentally challenged person. And as he always likes to joke about, it, he's like, so what do you need to do for my costume? We would go, no, you're good. And then, <laughs> but, but we, needed to, we needed to talk about this Chinese mentally challenged person. And we used other language. And like, you can't do that. And Nick luckily had something in his act, for, for, which was... Frittata. Yeah. And so that stuck. But like, so I guess the answer is this. I'm glad that we had certain restraints because right. we always got to make more colorful language. The time thing was a huge bummer. And if you ever want to see, like, if you guys are actual fans, and I know this is so stupid and it sounds like you're... If you guys are actual fans? <laughs> Jeff Schaefer is like, you know what? Fuck you guys. I see. You guys, you guys saw you were here for casual ass fans. You guys... You know what, Jeff's like, they've barely asked any questions. Cut to all we do is keep talking. And we are now asking each other questions like, no. on stage. It's so weird. These are the fans. Uh, I, it's so weird because I thought they'd been a little mouthy. Anyway, go back. I swear you'll have the most fun you'll ever have if you go back and somehow steal a DVD player and watch the DVDs with the extended cuts. You will see so much fun stuff that is so great that we couldn't put in the show. Do you guys know what a DVD player is? Yeah. It's kind of like a smaller Laserdisc player. You yeah. follow? <laughs> All right, let's hope What do we got? More <laughs> questions. questions. More right questions. The question is, have any of us kept any mementos from the show? I actually Jason have a Ruxin sweater. I took a Ruxin sweater. It was he had a the V-neck. best. Uh, it was a cardigan. I have the Kevin MacArthur Chicago Bears jersey. Oh, yeah. 
Oh, we have the sack. I have Jenny's Chicago jersey. I you have, do? Uh, yeah, I do. I have baby Jeffrey in? in my basement. I kept Ellie. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to go on. Ellie. He's about <laughs> 13 now. And uh, <laughs> How old is he? Uh, he's about 13, <laughs> 13. now. Yeah. It, was, it was funny because when Brie, Lars- him, right? when, Brie Larson wow. did, when Brie Larson did the show, she had the script for Room that she was reading. Nick read it and was like, okay, cool. <laughs> I see how this works. Ba- baby Jeffrey forever unclean indeed. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Jason, you, Jason, you and Brie Larson in that episode was just hilarious. The, yeah. Oof. <laughs> no, wait, she's got one an Oscar. You, wait, one of, you guys an Oscar? Won an, one of you guys won an Oscar. Which Who won the Oscar? Did you win it or did Brie Larson win it? was not me. Yeah. <laughs> I did not win the Oscar. Paul, how did you not, Mr. Pop Culture, you know, sort of vault? What did you take? Did you I, take I took hats. I mean, right? That's what I had to kind of take. I took uh, a selection of fedora, uh, fedoras. Uh, and then I was reticent to even take... And now they're in a, a Tupperware that I have like some mementos in, but it's, a, it's like a good three or four fedoras all stacked up. I don't, I don't know where they will be, and I don't know what I envision anyone to do with them if they ever find them. I got Wayne the medic. He lives in my backyard now in the pool house. Any other questions? What do we got back there? Who was the coolest oh. athlete to work JJ. with? JJ. JJ Watt was JJ pretty Watt. cool, JJ. man. Oh, but you uh, you loved you loved um you loved uh, Randall Cobb, Katie. You forget about your love for Randall Cobb. I don't forget about Randall Cobb. I know. I, I would always I think about him. Huh? Oh, Katie would just look at me and go, "Those eyes. He's so those eyes. pretty. Terrell, and he was so nice. Terrell nice. Suggs. Terrell Suggs. Yeah, I love Terrell Suggs. Suggs. Very funny. funny. Not only like doing the show, but then like, can I do the promos for one of your seasons? Like. Because he came and did promos with yeah. us. Yeah. Chad yeah. Ochocinco was pretty funny. Oh, my God. His- Chad <laughs> Ochocinco was in Vegas with us and had four different cell phones. They were stacked Eight up. Ate McDonald's three days, three times a day. Yeah. And, and, like and roller skated. With- we'd go to bed and, like, wake up and look at Twitter and there are pictures of him at like five in the morning well, alone I at had a like slot a machine. Seven a.m. call time and walked across the the casino and he was sitting there in his underwear. Yeah, um, yeah. The M- no, the MGM asked him to put on a shirt. There was a moment with him. We were in the top floor of the MGM Grand. These beautiful, uh, like this, you know, the, the the most elite luxury rooms you could possibly get. And there was a lot of security when we were going up there. We're like, oh, is this for us? And they're like, no, this is actually for this prince. Uh, he's here, and this is his security. And and so, like, you know, he came through, Chad, and he was like, uh, oh, that's crazy, all the security. Like, yeah, it's for the, some prince. And we told him who the prince was. And he immediately just tweeted, up at the, at the the 25th floor, I'm here with the prince. And then, like, all MGM security is like, you cannot reveal his location. You must take that down. This is a huge security risk. And then he just tweeted, take the shot, take the shot. <laughs> Any other questions? Right here? Oh, jeez. Were there any complicated or expensive Jason. setups? <laughs> Jason, I have one job. Nothing was expensive. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. Well, he's um, so close to the front, they didn't hear the question, right? So, we, the network was very good. I mean, we basically did whatever they they never came to set there was they were outlined so there were no table reads it, and i don't know i want to talk about how the show was made for a second because i don't know it was such an intimate thing it was like 
there, there was no one else. It's like these people and Mark and, and John are the only people making the show. And, and Wayne, Wayne the medic. <laughs> and Wayne. And Wayne the medic, yeah, who's uh, standing there looking lovingly at Steve. But, uh, so it was this very intimate, very fun experience. Um, we got to do basically everything. I mean, there were certain things, certain people, uh, I won't name them because they'll name themselves, always wanted to talk about uh, their character's friendship with Johan van der Sloot, the murderer, the Dutch murderer. <laughs> now, let me be clear about that. It seemed to me to make sense that Rafi would be best friends with JVS, the man who killed Natalie Holloway. Yeah. So it, we'd be in a normal scene about where he's just talking about normal things like wanting to fuck his sister. No, no, not today, no. Anyway, anyway, when I was hanging out with JVS, no. All right, when I was not hanging out with JVS, no. <laughs> Uh, what, what was the most... No, no, Jason, no. What did we have? What was we the most had... expensive thing, though? Did we have, did oh, we I'll tell you did... the most expensive thing that almost... That we... Okay, so we were... The season was done. We had finished the season, oh. but, but yeah. we had... There had been a joke this whole year that Andre had contracted thrush, a female um, genital disease, uh, sort of a yeast infection, and, and so they were calling him yeast mode. And the whole plan of this was for him to meet up with Marshawn Lynch, who was beast mode. Now... Due to whole, we, we had a scene, we were gonna shoot Marshawn Lynch, and then Marshawn Lynch's back got tweaked and he needed, he couldn't come during our shoot. So we're like, okay, I guess that's not, it's not gonna happen. We didn't need the scene. And so we're done. I mean, everyone's wrapped. And then we get a call going, hey, Marshawn can come. So we call FX and we go, we really need this scene. And we're also huge uh, Seattle Seahawks fans. We we're like, we need this scene. And Nick Rad's like, do you really need this scene? And uh, we're like, yeah, yeah, we really need it. We really need it. So. It's going to be expensive. We've got to get everybody back. We've got to get all this crew. And he goes like, just get my uh, son a hat. We're like, okay, fine. So, so now we've done this. We've put everybody back together. You were going on a trip to Europe that day. Yeah, I was like, I was like yeah, I remember we had to get out like right at a certain point. And so everything's set. And he, Marshall was supposed to come in the night before. And he'd be there for the day, the day of. And it's that morning. And we're all there. And he was supposed to come with his agent, Doug Hendrickson. And no one's there. I'm like, uh-oh. So we called Doug and I go, hey, Doug, where's Marshawn? And he goes, I don't know. He's supposed to come in last night. I haven't heard from him. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. We're like, okay, well, you got to find him. Then we were just waiting. We're just sitting there. Everyone's all excited. Marshawn's coming. And we get a call back and he goes, um, I got a call from him. He's, he got in an accident on the way to the airport in Seattle. Um, his phone was in the car, so he couldn't make it. Um, he's in Seattle. And we're like, okay, well, we can fly him out. How do we can fly him out? But he's got to go on a family trip to Europe. Like then. So we're like, this is, we're like, I don't. By the way, everyone is together. The crew is ready. To oh no, we're shoot. supposed to be shooting. Standing in that parking lot. We're like waiting at like because that bus was supposed to pick Marshawn and his agent up at ten thirty at the hotel, and so we're sitting there just going, "Oh boy, we really did it this time." Because we didn't need this scene. This is just we wanted it, and and we're going. We're Jack and I are going. We're totally fucked. I mean, this is expensive, and. So the agent who is freaking out is like, hey, I'm so sorry. I don't know. I can't fix this. He's standing outside the hotel at 1030. At 1030, right when the van is supposed to ping him up, Marshawn walks out and goes, hey, man. And he'd been fucking with his agent because his agent was so nervous. So by, and all Marshawn thought was, oh, I'm playing a prank on my agent. What he didn't realize is that he was giving all of us like a heart attack and fucking the entire uh, you know, 20th Century Fox news broadcasting, all that stuff. So he came and was like, he showed up right when he was supposed to do, did everything and was just, it was the scariest moment we've ever had. We're like, we wasted so much money. Excellent. All right, this is our last question. We do two speed round questions? Like, yeah, like real two quick. Two speed round questions. Here we go, here we go. Speed round. Go yeah. right, right there. Yeah, in right the there. middle. All right, so 
What's the question? <laughs> Speed round. Terrible question. Get out. Boom. Of here. Done. Another another Get question. Him. Speed round question. Who Get got? him out. Get yeah. him out. This oh, is interesting it. question. This is the billion-dollar question. I don't know. I mean, here's the thing. It's like at the time, fantasy football. Oh, was well, the question was, will we ever see a reboot or anything like that? I mean, at the time, fantasy football was popular, but I don't know. Is that still a thing? Is, did that? Our <laughs> friends. Still a thing, Jackie? Is that the thing? I thought it wasn't a show about but fantasy here's the thing. football. Busting balls isn't a thing anymore, is it? Are people still out there busting no, it's balls? It's, it's a, people don't like friends It's a kinder, anymore. gentler time. However, I will say um, there is nothing on the planet more fun than working with these people. This is the, the, it is like, it is the funnest thing. Was, I can certainly say for both of us, it was the most creatively fulfilling, like most fucking fun thing you could do in the world was to go onto the set with these guys and just make each other laugh. It was an extremely, extremely fun experience. I mean, I will say that out of everything that I've ever done, the amount of freedom that you afforded us, but the amount of control that you had in your own ideas. I feel like a lot of times when people hear like improvising, it's like, go in there and we'll figure it out. And you guys had so much fun stuff to give us. Like, it was basically like, here is a room full of all this great stuff. You could put on this or this. And we went in so many different directions, but you created this amazing environment to get like these things that we would never have gotten. It was a really a group building thing. And that's with all the cast. It's with all of you. It's like, and because there, people don't know this, but on this show, there was only one direct, it was just them directing. So we never had to bring in anybody else. There was no third party. No, there, was, I was there was no one else on the set except us. And that that's, was it. And that's a really free Not even a thing. crew. We shot the whole Just thing the whole ourselves. Thing. I mean, there was Wayne There's the Wayne. We go, you there. push the button. Wayne, a, a bull, a bull who held a sound boom, a boom mic. When I wasn't on screen, yeah, I was a sound guy. I was set deck. Makeup. So the answer is... And I was no. a monkey fluffer. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate your work. Um, I think there's a difference in that question, too. Could you reboot the show now? Would it have the same impact? I don't know, but I think people would be excited to see this show do something because it's already established. Yeah. Okay, last speed round question, right? Make an extraordinary right yeah. there in the head. Three cameras. And that's actually a really interesting process question because the biggest fight we ever had with the network was um, after the pilot, they did not want to allow us to have three cameras. And we almost didn't make the series. And Jeff and I said, we will not make the series without three cameras. And then Jeff and I found a way to make that happen. But um, uh, they wouldn't give it to us. They just, they held their ground and would not give it to us. And we said, we wouldn't make it without three cameras. And that's how the show got done. And then- Too now, much good stuff. We didn't want to lose yeah, it. Yeah, you can't. You can't ask them to make that fresh again. Um, and, and, and covering the show, the group scenes. we always say covering the show was like covering a live comedy sporting event. That's what it was like. I mean, these guys, I don't brilliant, know. Brilliant, brilliant cameramen. I mean, we are so lucky. I have to say many, as, as Nick said, you know, obviously incredible crew, many, many talented crew members went into making the show possible. And, and for me, one of the departments that really made it happen was the cameraman who had such an intimate relationship with the actors on set that before they started, they'd say to the cameraman, even I, I got something. And, and they would have this very 
tight sort of dialogue about when they would swing over, you know, Johnny, you know, all these patterns. And that's the thing, like, Johnny, I still see Johnny on The Good Place now because he's now on that show. And it is, it's fun because you develop a shorthand with those guys because especially if you are improvising, especially if you are going to be doing something that is not anticipated, not planned for, but you, and sometimes I would plan or want to do something that I wouldn't tell the other people in the scene I was going to do, but I had to tell Johnny or whoever uh, to cover because when I was gonna I was gonna enter earlier the watermelon and those yeah the yeah the, the yeah the Margaret watermelon scene well, that, is an that's, example that second hole didn't make itself oh yeah. god does anybody um, know what he's talking about the consensual non-consensual entry points of the watermelon but you know like that's the thing is that that crew it is Jeff's right in describing it as intimate because it would be very few people very few uh, camera ops obviously you know in these small houses or in these spaces where everybody because what we're doing is improvising everybody's hearing lines for the first time and cannot break and that's something Jeff Jeff talked a lot about you know except for Jeff yeah Jeff would break oh I would break also if Jason was talking Nick would break Nick. <laughs> yeah, when you talk about coverage, we needed a whole camera to figure out at what angle did you not see Nick's oh, shoulders by the way, shaking when we were going to film him in a scene. Whitney with Houston. Ma- Whitney Houston said, "What's Michael Jackson think about it?" That those three lines, I'm not kidding, took 30 minutes. 30 that minutes scene, is generous. I will say there is an you. There's a YouTube video of me and Nick trying to shoot that scene, and it's pretty nuts. It was almost impossible. I find Whitney Houston's death hilarious. <laughs> the quad split where, where Nick just punishes Jason and goes, get him in the corner, I can't work like this. And puts, Nick, puts Jason in the corner and then he goes, I can still see him. And Jason has to turn around and face a bookcase and, and speak you- quietly into his mic so that Nick could try to concentrate. And to, just to kind of like flesh out a little bit more too, like the three cameras, what it afforded was that you had coverage, but then what Jeff and Jackie would do very surgically would be like, all right, we just did like this 30 minute take, more of this, less of this, move that up here. Like, yeah, so we would do it three or four times. Take by take, everything would get refined. It was a lot about trust. To, we and they would find got, the scene. So, we knew that you yeah. guys would come up with the funniest stuff and you guys trusted us to give, to make the best stuff out of, out of everything you didn't put in the show. And, and that was the most interesting thing to be like, oh, this first take was 20 minutes. And at the end, we might be doing a three minute take, but it's, all tight. So we're, we're, it's, it was a real, that's, I think that's the difference between, I think, good improv on TV. Cause I don't think that people understand that that was an element of the show. It's, it's just really crafting it and, and being and thinking on your feet and writing it and figuring out every what's scene, working. Every scene is a live rewrite. Yeah. That's what it is. Wait, I have a quick process question in that regard then. Um, what, I know there's a lot of screenwriters out here. What does a script then for the league look like? At what point um, is there exposition and then it, a blank a, space for It himself? always was emblazoned property of JSV, right? <laughs> uh, it's, it's, like, it's like a people would be might be surprised here. It's about you know a twelve page single spaced um, pages document, document pages document. It's not in final draft or anything with dialogue that's in there that makes the show. If it's not better than you know, if it's better than something that you guys said. So it, we would always give them stories and jokes. But, but, and if they had better stuff, which a lot of times you guys did, we would then riff off of that and then rewrite it, was like, but it on, always a, on you site. Try this and all the great but, stuff. The core but, plot was there. Yeah, the tw- the way, there was not, it wasn't like we're one, just... One last looking thing, yeah. at it was like looking at a treatment. Well, You're looking yeah, at a treatment. One last thing space. about process. Like, 
Seinfeld, Curb, and The League are all written the exact same way. Exact same way. Come up with really funny stories, and you put them on a dry erase board, and you do this comedy geometry to make sure that these stories intertwine to a, a really successful ending. For Seinfeld, we'd spend a few days writing the script. The structure was everything. For Curb, uh, we have the outline. You don't write the script. And the league was like a little bit in between where we would have some lines because there's six people and you want to try and do some air traffic control. But the whole idea is the structure is funny. The story is funny. If you say what's happening in the scene, it's funny. Then get the funniest people on the planet to do it their way and, and get ready for all these amazing magical digressions when Paul pulls out his phone and goes, oh, I got a slam list on here. We're like, okay, we're doing that now. You know? <laughs> But it also, I think, is a testament to you guys, again, in the casting of getting the right group of people. I think the idea of doing an improvised comedy show about fantasy football is like a perfect recipe for douchebag stew. And, and it wasn't... Douchebag? Which is my film that's premiering here tomorrow, Douchebag yep. Stew. 11 p.m. It's over at the Paramount. But there was not never sold out. any ego about who got the funny, who got the laugh in the scene, who got the funny moment. If it made more sense that Ruxin's line was said by Kevin, it was easily tossed over. Or you know what would be so funny if, if, if Andre said that? It was just a very generous, it was all about just making the best scene. Yeah, we really fed each other and fed into each other. And that was something that I feel like it was very... I don't know, fair and fun. And well, that was yeah. it. I feel like, you know, a lot of us come out of an improv background and everybody can improvise on this stage really expertly. But like the ethos of improv of like, yes, and and support. And, you know, if, you, if you're going to do an improv show with eight people on stage, the, the kind of tacit understanding is I'm going to make you look good. You make me look good. You know, and I feel like. No. That- <laughs> And I feel like that was really evident. Like this was a this was a process that was a lot of times grueling and long, uh, long days, long takes, trying to find stuff and meandering and then honing and honing. But it was because there was like a lot of trust in the ensemble to try it this way. Or like Katie saying, oh, what if instead you say this and I come in and da, da, da. like the geometry and the math of it, making that work on its feet wouldn't work if it was if people were dicks. It would be insufferable. Yeah, it's but a, because it's everybody was like trying to solve the same problem and using different methodologies to do it, a lot of times in a very kind of compelling way, we could we could pick our way through a big scene that might have seven people all improvising their dialogue concurrently, and I would still get to do a dick job. <laughs> uh. um, what better place to end? Thank you guys so Thank much. Thank you guys for coming out. Thank you very much, guys. Thanks for watching. The TV Campfire is produced by Caitlin McFarland, Emily Gibson, and AJ Myers, along with our audio partner, Five Ohm Productions. Mark your calendars. ATX TV Festival Season 9 is happening June 4th through 7th, 2020 in Austin, Texas. For more information, visit atxfestival.com and follow us on social media at ATX Festival. And be sure to check out our episode notes for a very special discount on badges exclusive to the TV Campfire podcast listeners. As always, please rate, subscribe, and share this podcast. And stay tuned for even more exclusive releases each week.